1966, a young boy discovers the body of two men lying dead on a hillside. Items found at the scene include a notebook containing cryptic instructions and two lead masks. Their cause of death was never determined and experts still struggle to understand what happened to them over 50 years later. Today, we will take a look at what we know about the lead masks case. This is The Red Web. It's another Monday. I'm Trevor Collins. Welcome back to the Red Web. Fredo. Heyo. How do you feel about this one, man? Uh, gut instinct? That's traumatizing. It is traumatizing. Like, what You know what's hell? exciting about this one, too, though? In, in the audience, you guys have been asking for this type of stuff for a while now, since we launched, and it's a supernatural theme on this one, or at least that's one of the stronger mysteries. I don't want to get too deep into that, but I oh. want to tease you a little bit. Oh! There's some supernatural things happening here, potentially, okay. and I can't wait to outline it for you. Now, you know my stance on that. Like, do it's like, hey, Freya, do you believe in supernatural stuff? Are you superstitious? Like, mm -hmm. no, I don't believe in it, but I'm not going to go around messing with it. You, you know? don't want to dabble. I'm not. I'm not going to recognize it. it. You'll see it from afar, you know, like an herbivore at the carnivore. I see you, <laughs> but I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to stay over here. <laughs> oh, God. So this, this boy runs across uh, two dead bodies. There's mm -hmm. a note and there's some like superstitious stuff involved. Yeah, some, some supernatural, supernatural stuff. stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. Goodness. Well, I'm, you know, people are going to be superstitious is what I'm trying. <laughs> That's true. There, there's always a little, a little trickling of superstition to be held here, but there's some really interesting facts in this case that I think lend themselves to uh, some pretty interesting theories down the way. And I want to thank everybody actually here for this case. You guys have all recommended this case since we launched the podcast, both on iTunes with reviews, which were actually, as of recording this, crossing a thousand reviews. So thank you so much for reviewing and sharing the podcast in that way, but also via Twitter. You, might, you guys might know that at RedWebPod is our Twitter handle, and you can see visual elements, uh, pictures we talk about, and other ancillary content that will help kind of portray the broader uh, case at hand and everything we talk about. So if you want to follow us there and talk to us and recommend cases by that direction, you could do so on Twitter, and we really appreciate it. But without any further ado, any housekeeping notes, all those aside, why don't we jump into the timeline of the Lead Masks case? Oh, God, okay. Spill it. Give it to me. So August 17th, 1966, 9 a.m., Manuel Pereira de Cruz and Miguel Jose Viana, two electronic technicians, left their hometown in Brazil and took a bus to the town of Niteroi, about 162 miles away, or if you prefer, 262 kilometers. Some reports say that Niteroi was their final destination. However, some other reports say that their true destination was actually that of Sao Paulo. They left under the pretense of needing to buy a car and some work equipment, having around $3 million in cruzeros, which is hard to say in American dollars today what that amount is. But remember, this is in 1966. The cruzeros is an obsolete currency of Brazil. They actually have the real now. It is also a historical value that is extraordinarily inflated from the beginning. So it's really hard to say how much money this is but in just a moment, I'll give you some context to that number. So later that day, around 2 p.m., they reached the town of Niteroi, where they visited a store and purchased identical raincoats for the price of 9,400 cruzeros. So that gives you a little bit of understanding of what $3 million looks like. If you want to convert this amount to what your local raincoats cost, <laughs> there you go. 
Afterwards, they went to a bar and bought a bottle of water. A waitress later claimed that Viana seemed very nervous and frequently checked his watch. This is the last time that they were ever seen alive. What? Okay. Last known, right? Okay. Last known. At least last confirmed, if you want to yeah. say it that way. You know, someone spoke with them. They were up close and personal. That's the last time. Mm. Yeah, dude's checking his watch. He's got an agenda. Yeah, he's nervous. He, he has to, he's got places to be, it seems. Okay. So later in the day, around 3.15, the two set off on foot to the top of Vintem Hill. Some other accounts actually say that they hitched a ride in a Jeep, but many say that they walked off on foot. Again, later, further in the day, 5 p.m., a boy saw them sitting high on the hill. Now, the next day, August 18th, the same boy saw them again. However, this time, they were lying down. He thought they were sleeping and simply left it as it was. Left the scene, went about his life. Fast forward again to August 20th. Man, this boy frequents this hill. Yeah. The same boy yet again was on the hill. He was either hunting birds, flying a kite. There's varying reports here, but, you know, it's Brazil. It's a young kid. He's got a lot of things to do. Now, upon getting to the hill, he was then nauseated by a very strong stench. He told his friends, who then later on told the police. That day, the bodies were discovered. So again, this is August 20th, a couple days right. after we started. And each man was found dead on the hill, having dressed in a formal suit underneath their previously bought raincoats. And next to the bodies, there were a couple items. An empty water bottle, presumably from the bar that they visited a few days earlier, mm -hmm. two wet towels, one strange lead mask next to each person's head, and a notebook. So these masks, I think this is the whole crux of the case here. So I want to vividly huh. paint a picture of what we're looking at. Now, yeah, yeah, you yeah. might envision Dr. Doom style mask, right? A metal mask oh, that covers your yes. whole face. You look at you look real cool in it. Mm -hmm. No one's going to want to approach dope. someone with that on. Huh? Big villain in the MCU. <laughs> I can see it. It's coming. <laughs> However, now this is going to be like a knockoff Dr. Doom. These lead masks looked more like grandma's sunglasses, right? Those real big bulky guys, square shape. However, they look like that without the arms. So it's essentially just the eyes portion of the mask. Again, you can head to Twitter where we'll post a couple images of these and a couple other things if you want to check them out. Again, at RedWebPod. Um, very intriguing. Uh, essentially a rectangular shape with a small notch cut out for where the nose would go that one would have to hold up to their face in mm -hmm. order for it to stay there. And then also that notebook. Uh, I want to dive into that a little bit too because again, that notebook contains some interesting, if not cryptic, details or instructions for the two individuals. They contain a lot of notes, obviously, electrical formulas and other things, but two notes stand out in particular. The first one being, quote, Sunday, one capsule after lunch, Wednesday, one capsule at bedtime. What? Now, I think it's worth noting that Wednesday is the day all of this kicked off. The day that they left their hometown on the bus, the day they went to the bar and got the water, the day they went to the hill and the boy saw them in the distance off, off on the hill. Um, and so that kind of gives a little bit of context here for what day we're talking about. So when they said Wednesday, one capsule at bedtime, you know, uh, that, that might be that day because later on the next day is when they were seen from afar laying down. The other note, or the other instruction, I should say, said 4.30, be at the specified location. 6.30, ingest capsules after the effect, protect metals 
await signal mask. Oh, weird. Okay. Because I was thinking, I was just like, hmm, you know, lol, there's just their vitamins. But then I was <laughs> really thinking, like, is it some kind of, like, suicide pact or something? Right. It's very suspicious at best. Yeah. Then you, you know, uh, spiraled into some whole, like, uh, they're expected to still be alive and doing other things. Right. What? It says, like, take these capsules and then yada, yada, yada. Right? Do these what, other things. What would even be in the capsules like something that would make them hallucinate who's to say man that, right? that's, yeah, that is just... the the crux of this issue and i'm gonna get into something that's a little frustrating but also like mind-blowing in just a minute here but i think what's worth noting is that these instructions obviously started in portuguese we're in brazil right mm -hmm. and various people have uh taken their stab at translating these instructions and so there is the very simple instruction the 430 be at the specified location etc there's that version seems to be the most popular. However, there is another potentially more grammatically correct translation that says as follows, quote, be at the place arranged at 1630. So this is military time now. Take the capsules at 1830. After feeling effects, protect half the face with lead masks. Await the agreed signal. What? So that seems to add a little bit more detail now, right? Uh, okay, so with that added detail, it makes it, okay, so there's a capsule you take it, you wait a little bit, mm -hmm. it might have some effects on your face, and the lead mass is supposed to help. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds so not like anything I've ever heard of. Right. Like, I don't know if it's... I, I literally can't even fathom... I can't... Yeah, I can't think of... What protecting your eyes specifically would have to do with the capsules. It's is very... it like an intense skincare routine? Like, what are we talking hey, about listen, here? <laughs> maybe, maybe they got some... Uh, they're working on their crow's feet here, and they're saying, like, I want to go on the hill, take my multivitamin, what get a little bit heck? of vitamin D from the sun, but I'm going to protect my eyes because that's where age yeah. shows, baby. Yeah, you know, you take the vitamin, your skin gets really sensitive, protect it from the sun, mm -hmm. but you also want to bake it a little bit, you know Bake just mean? a little. You know what? Maybe these were just, and I hate to say it, maybe these guys were out there tanning with some homemade tanning goggles, ah, you know? There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, that, that wasn't the case, considering they were in a formal suit with their raincoat draped over it. Weird. So these guys are bundled suit. up. I forgot about that. But this is bizarre detail after bizarre detail. Right. And remember, this is also the winter. We're in the Southern Hemisphere, so these are the chillier months, too. Obviously, it's Brazil, so it's a little warmer anyway, but... So that gives a little bit more context as to perhaps why it was rainy weather or why they were wearing raincoats. Or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. There's a lot of intrigue still left to be uncovered here. But authorities determined that the handwriting on the instructions in this notebook did not belong to either of the gentlemen. And they were able to figure this out by way of looking at known writings from them. Um, as I mentioned, they were electronic technicians, and so they had other journals and other writings elsewhere in their own workspaces to kind of corroborate this fact. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. So now we have, let's like lay the scene out just a little bit more. A couple of gentlemen passed away of mysterious circumstances with homemade strange lead eyewear protection or lead masks with a notebook filled with interesting instructions written by somebody else. And upon looking at the bodies a little closer, Viana was found to have had 157,000 cruceros in a plastic bag in his clothes, and Cruz had only 4,000 cruceros in his pockets. So there's a lot of money now, it seems, up in the air. You know, if they, if they set out with three million, is that somewhere else? Was it stolen off of them? Um, 
who's to say? I mean, that's that's a big part of this mystery still. Yeah, why, why do they have this money in the first place? Well, they said that their initial intent when they left home with that $3 million was to buy a car and to buy some work equipment. And when we know that a raincoat costs 9400 in local currency, mm -hmm. you can imagine that some technology, and in fact a car, would be probably in the six-figure, if not higher, realm. Yeah. And so $3 million under these pretenses seem to make some sense. However, they're at this hill at this point, and we only know a few factors up until this point in the timeline. You know, going to the bar, potentially jumping in a jeep, if not walking, this boy in, in the distance. You know, there's only a few factors here that... You know, obviously they also bought the raincoat. Yeah. But where in this timeline, other than those spots, could they have lost or spent or yep. hidden or done anything with this money? You know, this money is up in the air at this point. Yeah. And what's even stranger is that there are no signs of physical trauma, burns, or poisoning on the body. What? But this is the frustrating part that I was kind of teasing is that official autopsies were not done until the bodies had deteriorated enough naturally to be unreliable for accurate testing. Why? Well, it seems that the coroner was too busy to quickly handle these autopsies in a timely manner to the point where there was, they were unable to do a toxicology report on these bodies. So <sighs> now, not only have these individuals clearly ingested something that we yeah. don't know what it is, we will never be able to find out because their bodies deteriorated past the point of being able to know and even when they did look at the bodies at that point, they didn't do the toxicology report because, quote, they were too busy to quickly handle it. That is unfortunate. Very unfortunate. I mean, going back to this kid, though, real quick. I mean, yeah. I've talked about how that must be traumatizing. I mean, maybe it's because I spook easily, but I can't imagine going on my little, like, uh, trail, mm -hmm. seeing two guys, uh, what, on the top of a mountain, maybe a little cliffside, uh, yeah, coming hillsides. Yeah, yeah little, you know, on, the, on a hillside. Then coming back the next day, and they're still there. Right. Weird, dude. Your little, your little <laughs> helicopter spinner hat. You know, you're kicking up stones with your big wheel, riding up and down mm -hmm. those hills, and you see two gentlemen, one day busy as can be, staring at the sun or whatever they're doing, and the next day, yeah, lying down. I can't imagine that either, as a child stumbling across something so otherworldly like that is yeah. so, so, like yeah anybody any coming sense. across that it's very, I would very strange run so fast in the other direction right well that concludes the known timeline and the facts behind the event moving forward what i want to do is break down a few key factors that arose from the investigation that followed and then after that, obviously, we'll, we'll go into the popular theories that attempt to stitch everything together and explain it all as neatly as possible. But I think that some very, very intriguing pieces of information came out throughout the investigation. And I'll break those down into sub-events, actually, like, other events that seem related very heavily to this event that we just uncovered. Oh, okay. So the first one, we're going to go back four years to 1962. During the investigation, it was learned that a man named Hermes Luis Feitoza, another electrical technician, was found dead on a hill under very, very similar circumstances. He had a similar handmade lead mask. There was no concrete cause of death. And in fact, Hermes was largely believed to be found on Cruzero Hill, which is about 162 miles from Vintum Hill, which is the hill that the previous two gentlemen were found on. And another interesting piece on top of this 
is that if you were to draw a direct line between the hometown of Viana and Cruz, the two individuals that passed away with the lead mass, and this new individual, Hermes Luis Feitosa, where he was supposedly found, the almost exact midpoint is Ventum Hill. And so I don't know if that has something to do with geographical features or if there's some sort of scientific hmm. hypothesis in play here, or if it's just a strange coincidence. But the fact that they go from their hometown, they go 162 miles, they pass away on this hill. And then another 162 miles in the opposite direction past that hill is another hill where another man four years prior named Hermes Luis Feitosa was found under very, very similar circumstances. Oh, some weird kind of sacrificial ritual going on here. So this is blood magic is what this is. You know what? Like, I wouldn't put it past it. <laughs> the dropping bodies on hills exactly, you know, 162 miles away from each other. Uh, it seems almost too coincidental to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. It almost seems too good. Yeah, but, um, the, the kind of coincidence uh, that just makes you go back and forth in your head, to be honest. Right. And so that's all we know about that case. And so that's just another situation where something very similar happened and it was uncovered during this investigation. The coincidence with its location and its distance might be related, but I think what's important here is that a history has been uncovered now of people passing away on hillsides with lead masks and no concrete cause of death. And the first two were, or at least the, the first two that we discussed were four years apart? Right, so Viana and Cruz, the two individuals we started with, mm -hmm. that happened in 1966. Hermes Luis Feitosa, this third individual now, another electrical technician, yes, his was four years prior. So that was the first major finding that was uncovered in the investigation. The next one, I think, kind of starts to stitch the story into other interesting, more supernatural events a little bit further. So flashback to, to the year 1966. It's August 17th, the same day that Viana and Cruz died. A woman by the name of Senora Gracinda Barbosa Cutino da Sousa, or heretofore known as da Sousa, a woman of high social status in the area told her husband about a sighting she had. Da Sousa and her children were driving in the evening when they noticed an oval-shaped object of an orangey color with a band of fire around its edges that hung over a hill and was, quote, sending out rays in all directions. She stopped the car and they watched the object rise and fall for about four minutes. So it kind of floated up and down in the air vertically. The hill she saw the object hang over, Ventum Hill, the same hill where Viana and Cruz's bodies were both found later that week. Her husband drove back to the spot after hearing her story, but he saw nothing. D'Souza had no idea about Viana and Cruz's death as her husband had kept that news from her. But eventually, as you can imagine, after the news broke and she found out about those deaths, her husband reported the story to the police. And according to a local newspaper, D'Souza had given extra details to the police that was then withheld from public. So there's like, there's like some details that are in like police records that we don't have access to or mm -hmm. the public doesn't know about? That seems to be the case. So again, I quote her when I say it was an oval-sized object of an orangey color and a band of fire around its edges that sent rays out in all directions. That's the description that is publicized. That's the description that everybody familiar with this case knows. But apparently, there is more to that description that was withheld by the police. Yeah. I mean, people see weird stuff all the time. 
or like think they see weird stuff, you know? Sure. But when was the last time you saw something strange and then two people wound up dead underneath, huh? <laughs> yeah, the fact that it's in that same spot. I mean, and did she know? She <sighs> And she had no idea. Yeah, she Reports say she had no idea <sighs> about the two individuals on that hill. That's weird. It is very weird. And after her sighting went public, several other individuals actually came forward to corroborate what they saw. So they also saw the same thing. They said that seeing D'Souza, again, a woman of high social status in her area, she was well regarded. When she came out with this story, it gave them the courage to come out and say something as well. Because, hey, if like the person that everybody knows that has a huge reputation to uphold, if she's coming forward saying something that sounds potentially ludicrous, but I saw it too, then like that gives me the strength to say, hey, no, this actually happened. I saw some big fiery orange object floating around that hill. So now we have a corroborated story of this unknown object over the hill. It could just be, a, uh, you know, just to play the flip side of that, just people going, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it too, you know? Like, I was, the, I, I seen it. Yeah, what was it, the whole ring? It was fire. Yeah, no, there was fire. I saw that fire. Yeah, it could be, you know, everyone just jumping on board. It reminds me <laughs> yeah. of that leprechaun story, you know? Where everyone was like, oh, I saw the leprechaun. He's up in the trees. I seen it too. Yeah, it, it could be that, you know? But um, it's, it's just really interesting here that someone well-respected, like, why would she come up with something so specific and so unrelated and also coincidental to an event that she had no information about it's a it's almost a very strange story to kind of that we know fake. of that we know, you know of, I mean? that we know of she could maybe maybe she saw two gentlemen and decided she wanted to for i don't know yeah see that that gets kind of sketched to me at that point that's that's the like skeptic in me going nah sure. she she knew and she's she's kind of like I don't know, maybe wanting to You think she's trying to boost her reputation even further with this story? Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm on board with this. Like, this, I've seen that. You know what I mean? I'm a little, uh, a little kooky as well. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on this, uh, this crazy train. I don't mm -hmm. know. Well, I might put to rest a little bit of that skepticism because, so that piece is the second major finding in the investigation. There's another major finding here that actually seems to build on what D'Souza and her story seems to put down. So let's flash forward a week, August 27th, 1966. After making contradictory statements, authorities arrested a man named Elcio Gomez, who was a friend of Viana and Cruz. Gomez was initially sought because Cruz's wife had told the police that Gomez and Cruz had an argument not long before Cruz's death. He claimed that Viana, Cruz, and himself were all, quote, scientific spiritualists, and that they regularly attended seances, and that they were a member, members of a secret society devoted to spiritism. And per Wikipedia, I want to define that for you, spiritism postulates that humans, along with all other living beings, are essentially immortal spirits that temporarily inhabit physical bodies for several necessary incarnations to attain moral and intellectual improvement. So this seems to be their religion, their their disposition on life. Yeah, see, that's what I was kind of thinking, right? You know, like cultish type things mm -hmm. where they're just like, hey, you know, uh, this is how we, uh, this is our uh, sacrifice or this is how we 
connect um, with our spirits and whatnot, and right. uh, this is the way to do it. It definitely lays the groundwork for a theory that we'll touch on a little bit later that is a cult, right? You know, if, mm -hmm. if you are under the belief of spiritism, uh, or if you subscribe to spiritism, you might find that, well, this physical form is temporary and that the essence of me, the soul within me, is immortal and will be reincarnated again, potentially, but the whole point is upward movement, intellectual improvement, moral improvement, etc. And so, yeah, you know, there might be an inclination to do away with your physical body here. But what's interesting even more is that this isn't just a, a localized potential cult. This seems to be a prolific belief and uh, that almost all of the electronics specialists and enthusiasts in this area were all spiritualists as well. So this leads to a possible connection back to Hermes, who was uncovered four years prior in the investigation, uh, that he might have been in a very similar situation, whether it be, again, uh, something more occult or something to do with this spiritualist movement or, or anything like that. But they're also all uh, electronic specialists and technologists, you know? They might have been working on something, a, a gadget or some sort of technology that gave off some sort of very bright light. Yeah, that's true, right? Maybe it's something that they built within their, like, group and to help support their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that's what they saw. Yeah, no, I could see that. You know, maybe they were experimenting with ways to transcend, but I don't want to get too far away from Gomez here um, because there's a couple more details that I want to outline. So Gomez claimed that he was collaborating with the other two individuals on many strange experiments. Um... The police investigated Viana's workshop where they found materials used to make the lead masks. They found, you know, thin lead sheets around the, the workshop that they had used to make these crude uh, eye masks. They also uh, found texts. Yeah. They also found texts on scientific spiritualism within the, the workshop with the words, quote, intense luminosity highlighted. And there were passages about, quote, intense luminosity and how it related to spirits and how it related to the masks. So maybe there's more to be known about in this text here found in his workshop, combining this idea of bright light or, quote, intense luminosity, stitching that over into the spiritual realm with spirits and entities of that matter, and then stitching it all the way over to the masks. So now we start to lay out a little bit more motive behind their appearance on the hill the oddities behind the masks maybe what was going on with the notebook and the instructions like we're, we're starting to paint a more vivid image behind what was going on here yeah we're cracking this case what's happening right here yeah, or yeah, we're gonna know, get in there we're gonna get in there we're gonna bust this gomez guy aren't we well, i don't know okay don't pull the rug from under me now i feel like i finally <laughs> I, have some stable <laughs> ground with this whole story <laughs> i lay the rug and then i rip it <laughs> So the three of them had built a device in Cruz's garden, and this is where I come back to kind of uh, De Sosa's story. Because apparently the three of them had built this device in Cruz's garden, some sort of experimental device, in order to contact beings on Mars. And the device mm. mal malfunctioned and exploded. And this was actually corroborated by Cruz's father. And so, okay, so we have a couple of pieces. We're, we're, we're teasing some of the theories a little bit here with the occult and with with these experiments but with also these this idea of spirits and they had a very specific experiment to contact entities on mars that exploded and that's not even further like that's not even it you know speaking of explosions 
going a little further into Gomez, you know, he gave his account of another incident that happened two months prior that involved him and the two victims. So now, okay, I'm rubbing my hands together. We're going back. Okay. okay. June 13th, 1966. We're building on this explosion. We're building on what DeSouza's story was saying with these bright lights. And now we are two months ahead of where we started. Back, Cruz is alive, Viana's alive, and now they're together with Gomez. So Cruz and Viana supposedly invited Gomez to join them at the beach in Atafana, which is about 25 miles or 40 kilometers, if you prefer, from their hometown in Brazil. And upon arriving, they all witnessed an, a, quote, intensely luminous object over the shore. It hung motionless for about five minutes, and then it began to rise. At that point, there was a blinding flash and an explosion that shook buildings as far as 15 kilometers away. Or nine miles for you, Fredo. Okay, hold on. So there, this is the thing is, uh -huh. this whole story feels like it's just two separate mysteries. It feels like mysteries on mysteries. Yeah, like the mysteries of their deaths, and and then now it's just the mystery of this weird explosion, and I'm being pulled left and right, yeah. like in, in a good way. But yeah, it, it feels like there's just two big mysteries. That you can dive into in in their in their own right. Yeah, you know it's really interesting that you point that out because I think that's why, you know, there's so much intrigue when it comes to the theories. I think there are two strong pieces that you can pull out. You can pull out those, like you're saying, the deaths, and then this whatever this object is, this intensely luminous object that's been flying around, that's orangey, whatever. There's two theories that address either of those in particular, and I don't yeah. know, maybe there's something else that overlaps them that I just. That we're not seeing here? I don't know. It's like listening to an audible that is just like, re like a story is being explained to me, and it's just off the rails. Right. It's you know? like it's like it every <laughs> other sentence in this podcast, Frank Reynolds shows up and says. So, anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> yeah, just, started, just <laughs> kick the was, kick it off. Was, there was two deaths, <laughs> and yeah. now there's an explosion. And then there was another guy who did the same death, and it's, oh, yeah. it's, uh... There's another guy that experienced a black hole of it, and just, <laughs> I don't know where I'm gonna be taken to next with this whole thing, because yeah. it is just, yeah. yeah, it's all over the place, man. Yeah. But, what's interesting is that local fishermen then claimed to have seen an object fall into the ocean immediately afterward. And the Brazilian Navy and Air Force Intelligence intercepted a very strange set of radio messages the day prior to the explosion sent by stations using call signs that hadn't existed up until this point or never did exist. But there are no details to be found anywhere on what they heard, and none of those radio messages have ever been made public. And furthermore, Viana's sister claims that Viana actually told her days before the explosion that he would soon be carrying out an important mission, and that it was a secret he could share with nobody. And he supposedly has said this again days before his death and days before the main incident that we're discussing here. So now just a real quick recap, because there's a lot that came in with Gomez here in the investigation. We have Fiana and Cruz. These are the two individuals that wound up mysteriously dead on the side of a hill found by a young boy. They had a notebook with instructions and some lead masks. We then flash forward to the investigation where a woman named D'Souza highlights this strange oval-shaped object, orangey in color, with a band of fire around it, hovering above the same hill 
on the same day. We also have a mysterious death of very similar circumstances four years prior with a man that seems otherwise unrelated. He's at least indirectly related. He's an electrical technician, he had a lead mask, and he had no cause of concrete death, or no concrete cause of death, and was on a hill as well. But other than that, he has no direct relation that we know to the two original individuals. And then, to wrap it all up, we have a man who was arrested named Elcio Gomez, who had been working with Viana and Cruz, the two original men, on strange experiments. And they had a similar incident two months earlier with an explosion at the beach that was seen by many individuals. It was corroborated by fishermen and individuals that were nearby and nearby buildings. And so we start to paint this image that, okay, maybe here in August, on August 17th, Viana and Cruz started doing something very similar to what they were doing with Gomez. Something with a big bright light, something that might have exploded or not exploded, that was seen by D'Souza, that was corroborated by many individuals in the area. It all starts to like feel like it's weaving together. But the frustrating part is, what is it all weaving around? What, what were they up to? What were the lead masks for? What were the instructions really trying to say? What killed these two individuals? And are these explosions somehow connected to their death? I think they're just, yeah, it's kind of like a, a cult thing happening, right? And they just happen to have people who can craft things. Um, <laughs> and that's what they did. They were trying to get closer to their beliefs and they ran with it and created some, uh, probably some unsafe things. Yeah. They might've taken their technological know-how and like you're saying, combined it with their belief of spiritism to either take a glimpse into what lies beyond the physical realm or maybe entering the physical realm themselves. But we're kind of jumping into theory, so why don't we just go ahead and do that? Let's jump into the theory that this is an occult ritual, that this was potentially ritualistic suicide in order to leave their physical forms behind and become an immortal spirit once again, because that seems to fall in line with their belief in spiritism, and that perhaps that these were young individuals in this widespread belief of spiritism. Maybe they were either pushing the bounds as veteran members trying to reveal through experiment the unknown. Maybe they theorized that there were people on Mars and they wanted to talk to them. Maybe they realized that they're spirits and they can talk to them through this technological piece that if we fire this up, it won't explode. We'll be able to talk to the other universe. And, and they push a bunch of power through this piece of technology that they cobbled together. It's uh, it's hard to know. And, and maybe, like I said, that maybe they are also entry-level individuals into whatever this group is. Yeah. They're a little like uh, crazy with it. They wanted to, uh, maybe they didn't, they wanted to go against uh, the grain of tradition that they have and, and really try and make a breakthrough. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say, you know? And, and like, there's a lot of interesting points here with their beliefs and with their expertise, but also with the lead masks and other things. Like, it's really hard to say. And the fact that, and I would say the other piece that kind of lends itself to it being an occult ritual is the fact that something very, very similar happened to someone who was in the same line of life. An electronics guy who was also a spiritist, right? And then he also wound up on a hill with a lead mask uh, with unknown causes of death. There's a lot of pieces that lend itself to this, but it doesn't answer necessarily everything. You know, perhaps what these giant 
orangey fireballs were and that were seen at least on two different occasions in two different spots. And that kind of lends into the other major theory, which is that this is something supernatural. Perhaps a UFO. I mean, UFOs don't always have to mean aliens, but they, they tend to be aligned with it because they are unidentified flying objects. And obviously we have something here being corroborated at the scene that is in the air, it's flying, it's doing something intriguing. Individuals don't know what its purpose is, but a lot of UFO enthusiasts claim that perhaps Viana and Cruz made contact and that the first instance two months prior where there was an explosion that rocked the buildings nearby was them accidentally shooting the saucer down or somehow causing this saucer to crash or retaliate in some way. And obviously, if there was an explosion nearby, it could have been more of a concussion explosion or, or, or sound explosion, I should say. Yeah. Uh, like a warning shot. Because clearly, the three individuals all left that incident fine, um, but it was enough to really rock the surrounding buildings. But that, going back to these UFO enthusiasts, they claim that perhaps doing a similar experiment on a different hill further away uh, with just the two of them, this could have been some sort of retaliation. Maybe this is why Gomez wasn't there, and that he didn't want to dabble with what they were dabbling in, and, uh, and that they could have been lured to this hill by the allure of their experiments to figure out what, what's going on. I mean, that's just think like making contact on that kind of stuff just seems so far-fetched, right? Like if they made contact and then the stuff, you know, popped off. That's where you start getting to like, okay, well then there'd be maybe some evidence or uh, more sightings, etc. And then, and then you start spiraling down the whole like, well, the government got a hold of it and they cleaned it up and they kept it a secret. Like, so that, that starts getting down like a really crazy rabbit hole of just like making, I don't know, maybe just making excuses as to why there's not this or that or proof. 100%. It's, and that's the thing, man. And that's why this is unsolved is like, there's just so many pieces, so many threads that you could pull on and say like, well, man, it could be this, but then that, you know? So like, as you mentioned, you would expect that there would be more sightings, right? And I think that potentially here that if a UFO showed up at these two instances, one was seen with shared sightings by fishermen, Gomez's father was there, all the buildings in the area felt the explosion, so something concrete happened. We're not exactly sure what that is, but then like the other sighting being at this hill, there's a lot of people corroborating D'Souza's sighting of this UFO, and, and then some of the facts are just hidden, you know? We're talking, mm -hmm. the newspaper's saying that whatever it is that D'Souza said to the police, is coming out in two, maybe one sentence blurbs. We're not getting the whole picture here. And the fact that these two individuals, their autopsies were kind of bungled, right? They didn't get to their autopsies in a timely manner. And honestly, these are very mysterious deaths. And so you might think that you'd prioritize that. I don't know how that whole situation works. I understand that once people pass away, they start to deteriorate. Yeah. Or maybe it was all part of the plan from the go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, or maybe they second. found out. Maybe they they looked into those bodies and they said, "God, these guys are riddled with gamma radiation, except for around their eyes." Yep. And maybe this was an, a a spacecraft that we are unfamiliar with, powered by radioactive materials. Maybe that's what that mask is for. But again, you know, like, and that's the only thing here. Like, you're kind of pointing out with this supernatural direction, the only thread that isn't really pulled on or it, the, the evidence that isn't really laid out here is, well, why didn't they protect the rest of their body? 
unless they didn't know fully about the dangers of radiation. It is the 60s. And two, and I think that to your point, this is the bigger one. Why weren't there more eyewitnesses? Why hasn't this happened continually? Because you'd think that if something was visiting us or if there was some sort of experimental craft in some way, that it would be seen elsewhere in another event. Not just like, okay, a couple more people at the same event saw it, but a couple more times that this showed up in in general, you know? Yeah, you think other people would be like, hey, I saw this, or... Th again, then you can make the excuse that they were silenced, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, forced not to say anything, or... Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, it's hard to know, and I think that the supernatural... And even the occult kind of rituals seem very intriguing. And there's a lot of kind of clean wrap up you get with those theories. Obviously, like most theories, you won't ever get the full picture because that's when your theory becomes the answer, right? Yeah. But there's some other interesting theories, though, as well. And I, and I kind of want to combine them all a little bit. I don't think that they're all too distinct. And I think that they share kind of a direction. So very briefly... Um, there's a few more theories. One was that they were drug overdosed, right? They, they had some mysterious substance that they ingested that they accidentally had too much of or not enough of or whatever. Uh, there's the idea that this was a smuggling operation of some sort. And then there's also the idea that this was a simple attack and robbery. Obviously, these men had a lot of knowledge. They had a lot of electrical equipment. They had a bunch of money, obviously. And so these all start to be your more traditional true crime avenues that I think are very interesting. And when it comes to the drug overdose, you know, this could also share some room with the occult. You know, if, if this was an intentional or an accidental sacrifice to some belief, that would kind of lend some credence to the drug overdose. You know, a lot of people theorize that these capsules that they had were LSD that they were given LSD capsules and were told to wait for the effects of the LSD. And by blocking their eyes, they would only be able to see with perhaps their third eye, right? Seeing things that were beyond the physical realm because again, these individuals believe in a spiritual world that, that every, every living thing is a spiritual, ethereal being that is given life or given a body, given a physical presence temporarily in order to improve the core being. Anyway, they, they might have had some of this LSD and awaited some sort of spiritual insight. And whoever made these capsules, it might have just been that it was a lethal dose. So when it comes to LSD and LSD overdoses, I do want to mention that deaths from LSD overdoses are extremely rare. And when they do occur, it tends to be in line with something else like taking a, with like drinking alcohol but there are there's no evidence here that the men were drinking alcohol that day despite going to the bar it seems that their purchase was of the water bottle and that was it to our knowledge um but you know it's it's hard to say i don't know what an overdose looks like or what type of volume is necessary or perhaps that these two gentlemen tripped so hard that they laid down and just never got up again who's to say without that toxicology report on these two individuals. It's a little too coincidental, though, that, like, three people would have the, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. the same effect, right? Like, I feel like there's another factor there that just hasn't been uncovered. Yeah, like, like there was a local herb that could be made into a poison or something like that. Some, yeah. some sort of Breaking Bad situation where, and again, whether it's an occult 
motive or some sort of other nefarious purpose or some sort of misleading, it's clear that in the instructions and by the way of their goings on around that time period that there was meant to be activity after taking these pills. You know, they said, await further signal. You know, they had these raincoats on, so they were anticipating inclement weather or otherwise why you know if they knew that they were going to pass away then why would they care about what they're wearing you know they had these lead masks for protection so there's it's clear that something was anticipated after after these events happened and after everything unfolded so i think that this overdose or whatever happened is most likely accidental and not necessarily something so nefarious but again without identifying who wrote these instructions and what their purpose was we can only, again, theorize with what we have at hand. I'm, I'm still like gonna lean real hard into this was a cult, not necessarily like a nefarious one. And they had people with the means to craft, uh, whether it be gadgets or, or dangerous, you know, whatever, right? And they, some of them were testing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I think was, was going down. You know, they, they, when you really think about it, and I, and I tend to agree with you that the occult position is probably the, the neatest of these theories because it can wrap in the most loose ends. And I'm trying to think really outside the box for these gentlemen. And if they are electronics experts in some way, and they do have these strong beliefs to the point where they are willing to cast aside their physical selves, perhaps Gomez was not ready for it. And so he didn't join them on this April 17th event. Yeah, because it was, it was probably something where like they laid out, like, this is the plan. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, uh, this is dangerous. Like, I don't know if I could do this, commit to this. Yeah. Uh, this is probably going to go south. Like, there's a lot to live for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they might be like, well, this is all made up. This is just the physical world. The meaningful stuff is past this. And so maybe they made some sort of technology you know, we celebrate all sorts of events with fireworks and candles and sparklers and other fiery things. They're, who's to say that they weren't celebrating their exiting of this world in some sort of glorious way uh, with some sort of technological piece of technology that could cast a bright light into the sky that would otherwise confuse individuals who looked upon it. It's in the 60s after all. But again, the only loose end there is that it seems to me in these notes or in these instructions and by way of what they were wearing and their activities that day that it seemed like they didn't anticipate that being the end that something was meant to come after this whatever that was we don't know so that's the only thing that i can't get past if this was some sort of occult ritual and i mentioned these previously and i'll and i'll mention them here at the end and they are a bit smaller but the other two theories that people have been thinking about for the years are the smuggling operation. I think what goes into that is that foreign electronics equipment were very hard to find in Brazil at that time. It was very difficult to get your hands on certain technologies. And so this could have been a part of meeting up with somebody to hand over money, to buy goods. Maybe there was some sort of black market deal with electronics. Uh, maybe they were looking into emerging tech in the 60s that wasn't readily available and it cost a lot of money or 
and then the deal went south, um, or maybe maybe they were pranked, and this goes into the attacked and robbed theory. I say prank like it's lighthearted, but maybe they were misguided, you know, that somebody scammed them into thinking they were going to get some technology or something like that, and asked them to bring this money to them. Meet me at this hill, and they played on their beliefs of spiritism, or played on their beliefs of something, yeah. you know? But, like, to convince them to be like, go here, take these pills, right. wear this mask. That's just... Someone's just messing with them hard at that point. Mm-hmm. Also, like, if it was cult stuff, then... I, I mean, I, sure, cults, they want to be secretive and whatnot, but no other cases? Like, or even just, like, anything that could remotely relate to it? You know, like, deaths that are just, like, a little bizarre? Mm-hmm. Um... Did they, you know what I mean? Like, if it was a cult, they just stopped there. They're like, all right, that's it. Uh, well, I guess think about it this way, you know? If if the case that happened four years prior wasn't even uncovered until the investigation of this case, you know, maybe it was a situation where somebody tried to run the same scam or same cult ritual or something. And what happened was this is the case that happened to break into the public media. This is the one that got traction. And so whoever was running the racket behind this said, whoa, this is way bigger than last time. I think I'm gonna call it quits. I'm gonna run run away from this one. And so maybe that's why we don't see any other instances of this type of mystery, or at least with these specifics, right? On a hill in the Brazil countryside in Rio de Janeiro with a lead mask and some mystery pills that made you die in a mysterious way. You know, maybe it was also somebody that just said like, hey, pop these funny pills, they'll make you feel goofy, wear these lead masks. And whatever their reasoning was, it was for them to say, like, this will get you feeling loose. This will block your sight so you can't see me. Yeah. And when you're feeling loose and you've got these on your face, That's I'm going to show mess. up. You're going to drop yep. the cash. I'm going to take it and run. And you're going to be too goofed out of your mind to be able to figure out what's going on. And then it was an accident. Hey, I accidentally gave you too much. And uh, crap, that wasn't meant to be <laughs> a murder, but rather, you know, a hijinks, uh, a theft. There was still cash that was, like, left on their bodies, no? Yes, there was still cash left on their bodies, but, you know, I guess not nearly the three million that they had started with. Yeah, but to just take some, not all, like... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there was 4,000 left on cruise, which is enough to buy half of a raincoat. And then there was about 157,000 in a plastic bag left on Viana. So, that's a... Not meaningless number, uh, but in the grand scheme of 300,000, maybe it's a red herring. I'm going to leave some cash here to throw off any sort of evidence. If I took it all, they might be like, well, these guys bought water and raincoats and $3 million just disappeared, you know? Yeah. But also, might, you know, there's so many... Lean into... Just that timeline just so open. There's so many spots in that timeline for for them to go buy something or drop something off or pick something up and... I don't think there's anything in the boy's story that sees them with anything else, any other items. Where would items. that stuff be, though? Right, you know? exactly. Like, so that's that's just the mysterious loose end of the money. You know, it was either taken by somebody who happened to be there and maybe wasn't seen. You know, maybe this bright light could have been some sort of flare or weather balloon with a light on it in some way. You know, like a, one of those Chinese lanterns. Yeah, I, I think they just crafted something. Yeah, it's it's just very mysterious, and that's and that's where we come to a close. You know, the the theories only go so far as they do with every unsolved mystery that we touch upon. But uh, I, man, this one 
This one's very intriguing, and I wish we knew more, because I'm really intrigued by the supernatural potential UFO part of this. Uh, the, you know? the ring of fire. Right. The ring of fire, the explosions, the fact that somebody else had something happened very similarly four years ago. There's so many things to bite into, you know, and uh, and we would love to hear your thoughts and theories. If you love this show, you can always hit us up in the reviews. We greatly appreciate that. That helps support the show immensely and gets us into those charts. In fact, you guys have been instrumental in us appearing in some of the recommended and trending charts of true crime on Spotify and on iTunes and everything else, all those other places that you listen to the podcast. So thank you again for reviewing us. But you can also hit us up on Twitter. Again, that's at RedWebPod. You can see some ancillary content, images that we talk about and everything else. You can also suggest theories there. Many of you have actually given us new hypotheses and theories that go into play into our episodes that we've already covered to the point where I'm, I'm close to wanting to do update episodes just small bonus episodes that update cases with new information that is found so anytime you guys find new information or find interesting cases like this that you want us to cover we're we're all about checking that out and uh letting you guys know you know we, we always say this we're not the investigative journalists we do what we can to find new and emerging information uh but we're not going to be the ones in there digging in the dirt finding out what's going on with radiation test levels and all that sort of thing i wish we had the time to do that uh you're mostly going to get the facts and details as they are known and as they have come out but we're super open to update episodes if we stumble upon new facts or if you guys come to us and say hey this just happened or i think that this is connected to something else you know, we love that kind of stuff. So keep hitting us up with all that. Uh, man, my mind is still trying to mull that stuff over. It's like a little bit of like aliens is a little bit of um, maybe it was a setup. Uh, maybe it was a cult. Like, yeah, that's the tough one with this one, too. Like it touches a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I and like, OK, you know, not a lot of these things don't get solved, but like my mind just wants to like settle down on a plateau of one of those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's probably going to be the the cult one, but it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, this one, this one, like, I don't know why weighed heavy on my mind because it yeah. pulled me in so many different directions. Yeah. This one in particular, this is why I love, hate this one, because there's so much intrigue, and, but yet so much unknown. There are so many theories that really wrap in the the loose ends super well, but yeah. then they all have that one piece that go, yeah, but mm-hmm. what about that? Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, you feel like you can lock it away, and on the other hand, it just feels like it blows it open even further. And so it's just one of those really, really interesting cases. And this is, again, one of the ones that you guys have recommended through those reviews and through those tweets and everything else like that. And uh, I'm really happy to uh, have have covered this one. It was super intriguing. Ah, it's like an itch I can't scratch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fredo, if you want more itches you can't scratch, we are back every Monday, every week. We got a new unsolved mystery. And so you can check us out again next week. We've got a new one for you there. But until then, thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the feedback. It's been tremendous. You know, we get way ahead on this show, so this is one of the few we've recorded since launching, and I just want to say thank you again to all the tremendous feedback and support. We're continuing to iterate the show, and man, I've just had a whole lot of fun talking about these subjects. This is my bread and butter. I love this kind of stuff. Oh, it's it's good, and just like getting everyone involved and having that kind of like interaction with the community has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thank you, guys. Yeah. 
Well, we'll see you guys next week for another mystery. Oh, my head hurt. Ha, 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 ha.